Welcome to the Code Locker, the Code Locker, where the hosts and guests will discuss real aspects of code enforcement from the locker room without bias. We'll talk about inspections, safety, community relations, debrief cases, and much more. This is for entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast reflect the opinions of the hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Now, grab a chair and your beverage of choice. Here are your hosts, Justin and Shane. What is going on, Justin? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, man. Another another, another beautiful week. week. Yep, it's Friday. Can't complain. Friday for recording. Wednesday for whoever's going to hear this. This could be Thursday. Could be Saturday. Could be. We we keep this very uh, down low, top secret. Yes. Very top secret. Speaking of top secret, um, have you seen the new Top Gun? Gosh, I'm so far behind. Everybody's raving about it at work, and I got to see it. So I actually used my earned time to go see it early (laughs) for uh, early release on Tuesday. What time? Um, The week before um, the time it came out. Was that the midnight showing? (laughs) Excuse me. No. Thank Um, God. And it was awesome. That's what I, mean, I heard. The, the, the theater was packed. Everybody was super enthusiastic. I mean, people were like clapping and like hooting, hollering for the characters in the movie as the movie was going. It has been forever since I've been to a movie like that. And it was it was a great movie. Well, and I know you're you're a diehard uh, top, uh, Tom Cruise fan. I do. Uh, you're probably his biggest fan. Right. How is his how is his following? Uh, I know you're the president of his fan club. How's that website going? Yeah, so things are going good with the TC Club. Um, I really can't complain. You know, new Mission Impossible coming out. Wow. So, I mean, we just we're, we're just all about it. We're just big fanboys and fan men. So things are going good. Yeah, give me a T-shirt. Yeah, with, with the uh, Tom Cruise Club, the TCC. Okay. Yeah, with the hashtag. Okay, we can do that. We'll arrange that. Cotton candy pink, please. Yes. I mean, that's what's it in my world. Well, that's fun. You got to I mean, do that was, uh, this yeah, week. Yeah, it was great. I it wish I could time. do that. Yeah. So what's new with you? Uh, it's uh, it's short week because uh, wasn't Monday a holiday if I recall correctly? I believe so. so. Yeah, it was a short week but jam packed. Since uh, for those that may or may not know, I'll be flying out next week uh, to Orlando to Ooh. see our friends in the profession for the Florida Association of Code Enforcement Conference. Uh, so that is going to be pretty fun. Haven't been to Florida in quite some time. Was that face? face they go by face and they they can't wait to see everybody's faces yeah so um, at least it's in person it'll be in person yeah it looks looks like a great setup uh i'm excited as you know we we go to ours here in california uh it's always a great time but the florida one uh this will be a fun experience for me so i look forward to meeting uh, our friends and listeners uh from florida next week that'd be good yeah be, it's always good to hear other places and what they do in the code enforcement industry and then like bring it back to what you know where you live and what you do and yeah you know try to implement things or just you know do a lot of comparing so it's and then networking it's always making great new friends to, oh yeah it's always great to just see what other places are doing you, so. you can't stay my only friend though so i i have to expand who mean yeah okay I, I have to I, find a bigger group of friends okay i'll put my uh jealousy aside and i'll let you um Stray away from the relationship. I'm I'm glad we're coming to a common place here. So yeah, absolutely. We have to, yeah, we have to 
expand our wings and fly. It's not you. It's me. It is you. It is. Okay. <laughs> we'll go with that then. I'll agree with that. How's, uh, how's your week? Are you getting, uh, getting things done besides it's, Tom Cruise? It's <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? That was the highlight of like multiple weeks considering we're a little, we're a few weeks removed from the, uh, the, um, premiere of that. So things are going good. I can't complain. Um, I did meet an interesting lady, um, doing a code enforcement inspection. Her house completely got trashed by these tenants that weren't even on the rental agreement, 15 grown men, um, to completely destroy this house. And due to COVID and everything like that, they couldn't get paid. They couldn't collect rent. There was a bunch of stuff going on. They finally did an eviction and, uh, completely ruined this person's house, which is unfortunate, but she told me interesting story. She's a a Chinese American and a plane crash 30 years ago um, around Alaska uh, went down and she and a couple of the people, I guess, survived and was rescued by the Coast Guard and Air Force. Jeez! And she wrote a story about it. And I guess Hollywood and some other people have attempted in the past or are continuing to try to pursue her story about this. So why she shared that with me, I have no idea, but. You know, just kind of goes to show all the type of people that we deal with and we come across in different walks of life. So uh, it was pretty interesting, to say the least. No mental illness or crack cocaine? Uh, no, not oh, that. Not that sounds that. like a cool story. No, this was the owner. Okay. Okay. This, this was owner of a house. Not, not, uh, that makes you know, the odds a little bit better. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, nothing's a guarantee, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if I would have said, yeah, if one of the tenants of this, you know, completely ran down house told me the story then you know the likelihood is maybe it's not as factual as i said hey the owner randomly just told me the story yeah i've heard some uh, crazy stories from like transients and stuff oh, i'm man. like what i can't even do that like what yeah what are you guys talking about yeah you can't even follow it it's all over the place going to all these different states and different oh, uh, experience it's a trip oh so someone who is not a transient individual that is very grounded and steady and just a smiley happy individual is this guest that we have for you today you like that thank thank you thanks for the introduction no problem my name's justin your name it's not you justin oh i do see another face okay this individual his name also starts with a j okay but it's not justin i've known this guy for about six years i've worked with him he's a former code officer very educated guy He's got a bachelor's in psychology, and he currently works now in the private sector as a public sector advisor for an uh, undisclosed environmental company. I introduce you, James Delgado. Well, hey, Shane. How you guys doing? Thank you for having oh, me on. Oh, man. I never honor. thought this day would come. This is a big day. I don't yes, even know him, is. and I feel like this is, uh, this is probably going to make my year. Justin, this is the guy. <laughs> This, this is, is him. This is, this is one of the guys. guys. Wow, <laughs> this is impressive. So, so what's new, James? What's going on in your world? Yeah. So, as you know, and as you shared, uh, def- definitely a huge transition um, in my current role or my occupation from going from the uh, public sector to the private side. I'm working in the environmental uh, industry now, mostly dealing with uh, no longer just the community itself, but more with uh, public officials uh you know decision makers and having to do a whole lot and being exposed to a whole new environment um and so it's it's 
been pushing me and challenging me to evolve as an individual professionally. Um, and so it's been very, uh, very interesting and exciting. If you don't, would you say, yeah, I was to say, would you say, well, go ahead, Justin, before well, I, I was going to say, if you go. don't mind sharing is I'm kind of curious, uh, what, what led you to kind of, uh, jump, uh, between the, the public and private sector. So, uh, within the, in the public sector, I mean, don't get me wrong. It gave me a bunch of opportunities to develop, um, especially like Shane was touching on. I was code officer and that definitely opened up my eyes to some of the challenges that the, uh, the municipalities are facing, um, especially as a public servant. And, um, as I was, you know, being an officer, I just had ambitions and desires to do more. Um, I always liked more of like a project management, mm-hmm. um, projects if you will um and so you know within that city they gave me opportunities to develop that skill and i saw another opportunity um where it took me out of just in one municipality and i'll be working with multiple um, cities counties state and um, that was very intriguing so that's why i kind of made the jump to kind of get that exposure and see what else is out there would you say your your role in code enforcement maybe help you prepare for that for like from a networking perspective because my understanding and having talked with you your position now i mean you meet with a lot of people that are kind of behind the scenes of code enforcement and making these bigger decisions right so you kind of see like a different side of it now i mean would you say code enforcement kind of helped you with that or or not at all i'll say code enforcement definitely helped me to understand the inner workings of government um from the boots on the ground to the people to the decision makers within our department, to the agency, and even further up. Being put in situations where I had to be professionally assertive and kind of negotiate with the community um, to get them into compliance was a skill that definitely evolved and developed, understanding or developing a political awareness as you're working on cases. I would say as a code officer, you're exposed to so much and you're working with the community and there's so many different changes also with council and what they want, how that impacts your caseload and how you approach uh, certain cases and even how the culture is structured within different departments. Um, and it really helped me to evolve as an individual professionally and open up my eyes to see, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all unique and you're yep. going to have all these unique challenges. And the key to, for success is learn how to play the game and, <laughs> you know, understand what you need to do to obviously elevate, you know, your uh, skills and ability yeah. and take on those projects. And as an officer, I mean, there was opportunities there and I just took a hold of them and said, you know yeah. what, this doesn't seem easy. I don't want to do this uh, for one instance. You know, you may in shame understand one area may be highly impacted with a bunch of, you know, headaches of cases. And, nope. you know, making the decision to say, hey, you know, I'm going to take on this headache. Yeah. But by taking on that headache, it challenged me. And if you're not being challenged, you're not evolving. And so that's what always kept me kind of going. And then when I kind of hit, you know, the plateau, it's like, okay, I've done all I could do here. There's really nothing else to do. It's kind of repetitive at this point. Mm-hmm. Let me branch out and see if I can find another challenge and go in a direction mm-hmm. that's going to feed that project management, you know, appetite. Yeah. But definitely code enforcement will shape you to be a better public servant, a better individual, if you want to, because yes. at the end of the day, you have to have that, that public servant heart to want to better the community. And if you right. have that, 
code enforcement is definitely going to test you. <laughs> yeah, they, Damn, very, he's hired. Very, very he's hired. I know. I, hey, I told you, Justin, this is he's the hired. guy, dude. He's good. I, I don't I have mean, a position, but you're hired. One thing I know about James, I mean, very educated. Me and him worked a lot. We've worked on cases together. We actually worked on a safety advisory board, the first one for our department um, and for the city and kind of at points acted as liaisons to uh, risk management, stuff like that. So this guy, you could always tell, wanted more, wanted to impact the community and really cared about what he did and what he does and, and cares about his product. And James, you nailed it right and had the project management role. It's like, I could totally see that fitting you. And that's awesome that you've been able to find that and continue to grow. So, um, and I agree. I mean, I think like what you said is how I felt too, is in a lot of the positions I've had as I moved to different cities and took on different titles and roles that what you said about not being challenged, you know, challenging yourself so that you can evolve. Mm -hmm. That's what I've done. And that's the advice I give people that want to promote or anything is if you want to change, you know, what your title is or what your responsibility is. You can't just keep doing the status quo and then think one day it's no. just going to change for you. No. You have to make that change and take on those projects, take on those things that might not be easy, but that challenge makes you stronger. So that no. that's a very good thing. You know, I think we've all, I mean, we've, you know, Justin, you've worked at different places. I've now worked at different places, have moved states and worked at different <laughs> departments and industries that had, you know, really very little experience in. I mean, so it's, it is, if you're not happy with where you're at and you're unable to progress and flourish anymore in that department, you can either what a kind of put yourself out there and maybe you get promoted, make a position for yourself, make a name for yourself or B find somewhere that's, you know, going to allow you to do that professionally and personally. Right. So, I mean, I think we've all done yeah. that to a certain degree. But I think also too, though, you have to have the guts to do it, and that's can be scary. No, that's huge. To oh, leave the city, super to go scary, to the private bro. Sector, you oh. know, leave that pension, that security, and you know, as I was exiting, you know, those uh, there was noise of you know, that. You know, what about this? Those doubts. Well, you're going to leave. You know, you're secured. You're mm -hmm. you're vetted. You, I mean, you're invested, um, and you're just going to walk away. And you know, you have to kind of you know, reflect on the inside and look at yourself and says, where do I want to go? Am I happy where I'm at? And if you have that desire that's pulling you to go to another direction, I'm the kind of guy, hey, risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> you know, just that's keep right. going. That's right. And, and and if you have that desire, keep pushing. Are you just going to become, I think, uh, you know, disgruntled, upset, and you'll be more angry at yourself. And I would rather take the risk than to wonder what if. Yeah. You, you bring up disgruntled. I mean, we've all worked with different people and code enforcement and different jobs and stuff like that. Do you think it's just a matter of fear that people kind of get complacent? They get used to, you know, the benefits, the pay and stuff like that. And they could have been really good superstars somewhere else, but they're worried um, of potential that risk or that fear of failing or whatever, or change. And change. maybe that like stunts people and cause them to be disgruntled. I mean, I've seen that before for sure. You know, leaning on my, my psychology background with that and just seeing how people develop, you know, their environment shapes them as they move forward. And, and there's so many variables. I mean, obviously, it can be a personality, uh, you know, where they're just a very fearful individual. It can be a past experience where, you know, they were, you know, ambitious. And, you know, you're going to I mean, here's the thing. You're, you're, you're going to, you know, experience a lot of failure, but you need that to grow and develop. And, and it's important to fail. 
you know, always think of Batman. Why did we fall, Bruce? <laughs> to learn yep. to get up, right? Exactly. And um, you have to be willing to learn how to fall. And then Dude, I fall the hard, people... bro. <laughs> yeah. And then there's those people who, you know, just want to complain, but really don't want to do the work. You yep. know, I want this, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to yeah. get there. You know, and so there's so many factors. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint what it is. I know that there's some individuals who have a very colorful background who even have like a master degree and they desired to go into another position. And I believe that they would have been successful in that position, but because they were comfortable where they were, you know, the money steady, yep. I didn't want to take the risk and they stayed. And yes, there were some promotions, but I think they would have been more successful yeah. if they would have. They just let her ride. Take that risk. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Do you feel, do you feel, I, I, I don't know your thoughts on this, but I, I hear this toss around too. Is do you, do you see any, um, anything specific with, uh, generations? I, I hear that there's studies out there looking at the generations and how, how they treat their career differently from generation to generation, like the, the baby boomers versus the gen X to the millennials. Um, I've heard uh, different studies on that and, the uh, characteristics of each generation. Cause as you mentioned, there's people that feel steady, you know, they're, they're happy with the income. They're happy with what's on their plate and that's great. And I, I think that's phenomenal, but I also feel like that what, you know, that was very common. Uh, I think more in the past, uh, yeah. like we look at our, our parents and our families that people would stay in the same career, the same time yeah, yeah. for 30 years. And that was a career, but now you know, I feel like there's this energy that people just want to keep changing titles, not necessarily promote, but just change. And that just that that drive to change. Do you see that? Or do you do you have any thoughts on on generations and how people take that? Yeah, most definitely. And but I think, you know, the previous generation shapes the current generation, you right. know, your upbringing, you know, you, you see dad go to work, you see your mom stays home. Or and you weren't happy with that family life, maybe they struggled the whole way. So you know what? Then your philosophy is both parents need to work. So you get someone who's ambitious as well. So those ambitious people go out, but then that child experience and nobody's ever home, you know. Yeah. And so that impacts emotional stability, you know. Daddy's there, but his dad there emotionally, you know. Right. Then we have a lot. And in my opinion, I think a lot of kids are growing up or current generation, and you know, if people be honest, there's a lot of mommy daddy issues. There's a lot of rejection issues. And so what happens is we're not happy. That stability is hard. It's, it's hard for someone to be in one spot. And especially with, you know, the digital age, you know, instant satisfaction, delay gratification is very oh, difficult. People yeah. want to microwave success, put it in for three minutes. Bam. I want to be there. Yeah. It now, now, now. Way, yep. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they want it instantly because everything else is like that. You know, exactly. all the social media sites, everything you do. I mean, it's yeah. like instant now. Okay. Go on to the next thing. And then if you look at that, too, because of that, uh, you know, one thing that's impacted a lot of individuals is we see is these mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. And one link to that is a lack of sleep. And if we look at, you know, from a lot of look at all these caffeine and these energy drinks, people are people really sleeping as much as they should be, you know, with the I'm with not the, you no know, way. So, you know, lack of things. sleep, lack of sleep leads to mental illness. You know, one in four people now have mental illness. And you look at, you know, all this awareness of all these mental illnesses going on. And that's impacting the current generation, which is going to, you're going to see, and I think that's why you see a lot of individuals. It's very, you know, a, a highly emotional uh, culture right now within the younger generation. Yeah. You know, they're all driven by YouTube influencers. <laughs> you and, know? Then, right. and then, and then you throw <laughs> someone like that into code enforcement. 
exactly. which which is like i don't know it potentially it could be a recipe for disaster and you said one in four have mental illness i mean there's three of this yeah. year who is it yeah i mean exactly. we're we're missing one person but uh i think it's that person <laughs> i think it's the one that's not here it's oh, oh it's yeah. the it's the individual okay yeah we're all yeah. good well and justin i like your question because i know we're all the same age all three of us you know we, we all probably have completely different backgrounds we've all come across the same field and have done the same things and I, I think it's just a matter of kind of like James said, you're just something inside of you individually as a person that mm-hmm. wants more, whatever it may be, you know, all three of us, like I said, are completely different, maybe different, different goals and backgrounds, but like we've recognized that challenge of, Hey, I need to do something bigger and better than myself and move forward to another agency, another department, be a project manager, go to the private sector, whatever. So, I mean, there's definitely a link between people that are willing to do that or, um, you know, James. Let me ask you one question. I think James had had the guts, but, you know, have the balls to go ahead and do that, you know. Shane, are you the oldest or the youngest of your family? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest? And you, buddy? Oldest. Oldest. So, that's what typically happens. You know, depending your birth order as well impacts the type of individual you're going to be. The youngest is typically going to be laid Are back. Are you analyzing me right now? I don't like this. No, but the older person is more like a manager. He had to look over the younger sibling. Okay, he had to sure. care more responsibilities. The parents wanted that, you know, do everything right. So life is a little more strict and um, routine. And so you're kind of, you know, conditioned to, you know, be responsible. Yeah. And to, you know, to manage, to, like you said, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. I've never really like thought about it like that. Yeah. One. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I totally see that with older siblings or they're kind of held at that higher standard of, you know, especially depending on the age gap, you know, the older sibling at some point tends to be at a point where they're, they help care for the younger uh, sibling. So that responsibility at a young age, I think kind of kickstarts that. And I noticed that as I got into my teenage years, uh, just the way that I handled things. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I was already thinking about that because of my, my younger uh, sibling. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point too. Generations, how you raised uh, the order of birth, uh, all that plays into how you become you. Exactly. you know, James, you've been around the block now a little bit. You've worked a couple of different places. What would you say is like the, the biggest difference between kind of private sector in public or with code enforcement, oh, that's like, good. What, are, what are things that, you know, I'll say public sector could be doing better that you've seen or vice versa, things that, you know, could be improved in the private sector that government does really well. So, you know, in the private sector, one thing they do, they invest a lot more into their organization, developing their employees. So, you know, they obviously want a, uh, an organization that's obviously like high performing, right? Mm-hmm. Or a culture that high performance. So like in comparison to say like a high performing organizational structure, you know, I find that, you know, the public sector tends to become the like antithesis of those traits by following like this classic view. And uh, they become this anachronism or this out of order or, you know, past historic uh organization that follows these old methodologies that are not currently working right and you know you have to like i said you have to challenge yourself and you have to evolve if you're not going to evolve 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And you're not going to develop, then you're not going to really compete or even, uh, you know, help the community within the public sector as much as you could. You know, I think when I was in my previous job, we were still using carbon copy. I mean, we're in the digital age. You're using carbon copy. <laughs> I mean, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's I, true. I mean, yeah. I was surprised we had electricity there. And, you know, <laughs> know. obviously there was improvements and things were happening. People were investing, you know, uh, right. you know, visionaries were coming in and obviously having these goals. But getting there was so difficult. And I understand you don't have, you know it's not a commerce you're not making money so you can't quickly you know invest that money you have to yep. look for funding you have to and then it gets all reviewed and you have to get it proven it has to mm -hmm. go through this chain but all that i believe can be improved uh, but you've got to get you know it takes time because especially when you get into government people get into these positions and they stay there forever yep. until they retire um and so they were taught a certain way this is what works and we're going to keep it this way yeah. but again you have to be willing to be open-minded and allow you know people to bring ideas and to cultivate those ideas yeah and that's the biggest difference where when i now in the private sector is not only do they have this training not only i mean especially in the position i'm in Okay, so when I went into code enforcement, they held my hand for like a year. I couldn't really do anything. <laughs> you know, sit here, we're going to click, 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 write this down. I mean, right. not that it was micromanagement, but it was like, we just want to hold your hand until we believe you're ready to let you go. They keep, they keep you close to the vest, right? They kind of like, exactly. they, don't, they don't give you a lot of the reins to do stuff. So when I started with in the private sector where I'm at now, I was it's a remote position. I mean, I'm going to all these different cities, but basically I'm home is my, my office. And for the first two weeks, I was like, man, do I even got a job? I mean, I kind of haven't. And they told me, look, when you work, when you, if you're going to step over here, get ready to hit the floor running, it's going to be slow in the beginning, but you kind of have to be self-motivated. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to find solutions. You have to be, begin to network with decision makers in these cities and to cultivate relationships and it's on you to figure like, it out exactly but i i like that that's the kind of person i am i'm yeah. like give me the challenge where is it at how do i figure this out and i was able to impress my bosses and they were kind of blown away even people who i support at these next level and they're looking at me like i should have done that but i didn't do it and i was yeah. like that's fine <laughs> right, yeah. but i'm gonna i'm gonna do me and i again <laughs> The yeah. work that I produce, I believe to execute everything in a spirit of excellence. And so if my name's on it and I yeah. want this reputation to continue that I'm, I'm a guy you can count on and gets the job done. And so my boss has already had a conversation with me. He's like, what, you got that done already? How'd you figure that out? I'm going to find a solution. If I can, I'm going to lean on somebody. Yeah. And so that's crucial. And, um, yeah. And so, so that's kind of been the dramatic change <laughs> from the so two. It sounds like it's like a, a structural issue or organizational you know differences that not only issue but like a big difference is like from the organization the top down you know it sounds mm -hmm. like maybe your experience with public sector that it's you know you might be stuck in like first or second gear you know always but it sounds like going to the private sector you know you're shifting gears quickly like you're expected to get to a certain point way faster you're not going to get your hand held but you know, I mean, I guess, but it sounds like it's yeah. from the top down, like that's expected. Right. So like they, they, the culture allows that to happen as opposed to, I guess, public sector. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, I, I don't want to beat down public sector because again, in this position, I've now been exposed to 
several right. municipalities. And I find that depending on which city I'm in, the culture is totally different. I'm in a, a city right now where they're very progressive. Yeah. I mean, they're doing things ahead of the ball. I mean, ahead of the, the, the curve of most cities. And I'm right. just taken back by it, like, wow. So it depends, obviously, who's running the yeah, show. You get, and again, you get to see everything, which is great. That's why it's like yeah. you get to see completely different aspects of even each municipality on how they do things. And, you know, I imagine some are more high speed than others. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I mean, from what I've seen working at different cities, I've worked uh, with different paces and different resources at small and large cities. And I would generally say, I think the big, um, I think roadblock for government work is we have a lot of yellow tape because it's taxpayer money yeah. and council approval. It's got to go through all these audits and things like that. I mean, and then don't even get me started on grants <laughs> and things like that. That's 10 Politics, times worse. your favorite. Yeah. So it, I think that's what holds it back compared yeah. to private sector, whereas private sector is, you know, as long as the company wants to put money towards something, training, yep. um, resources, it's going to happen. Whereas in government, it's like, okay, are we allowed to use the money for this? Can we do this? Can we do that? Does, you know, so-and-so approve? And so there's all these yellow tapes that trickle down and I've seen it. I've worked at places where I can get things done a lot quicker because there's less yellow tape, but then there's other ones where it's just like, I I feel like I have to jump through 20 hoops (laughs) to get a simple item that would improve uh, the process for us. And that's, I think that's what we go through. And then also staffing at one city I worked at, it's like, we were so short staffed that we're just lucky to keep the boat afloat, let alone spend extra energy. Like you're talking about, you know, we want to improve. We want to do things that, you know, take, take a a better step forward. But if we're just trying, we're treading water, we're just trying to keep the lights on and and keep things functional, (laughs) but we don't have enough staff that we can start to think ahead Right. then that's holding the city and the agency back because you're not able to now start thinking of, Hey, how do we make things better? Because you're spending all your time just trying to keep up with the work that's on your plate. So mm. that's the struggle I've seen just in my experience at the different cities. I totally agree with that because there is that risk factor. You mm-hmm. you make a mistake and there's an error and there's a waste of funding. You have to be accountable for that. Where government, right. I can throw the dice. If it didn't work, it didn't work, but you know, or in private sector, you know, it didn't work. Then, uh, Hey, let's try something else. Yeah. Obviously, if you have the support for that, but also think too, uh, and it's more difficult, but it, it is because I remember before I left, I was looking at grants to help fund different programs, and you have to get, you know, depending on the time you're looking for grants, um, and see if that funding's available, or other, you know, government agencies have already, you know, tapped into that funding, yeah. and to get approved for it. And then you have to do the reporting, all the responsibilities that relate to that. It could be very overwhelming and challenging. Um, but I think also, too, though, is exploring other opportunities. We're working with the private sector, developing partnerships with the private sector to say, because especially now, we partner with a lot of different cities to help, you know, fund different programs or sponsor um, events, if you will, yeah. that obviously alleviate some of the pressures of the funding on the government side and it's like every uh almost every other week like a public private partnership 
yeah, I get an email. Hey, we're doing this fundraiser here. Hey, we're doing this event here. Shane was able to participate in one of those events. I was. was Yeah, (laughs) it was a good time. It was awesome. Exactly. Yeah, no, I I was going to ask you, I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Because I know you're big into community development. You're big into enhancing communities, public relations, like getting to know people. What do they need? What do they desire? And like really involved in like the boots on the ground, like what's happening here, you know, and, and what do you need in your neighborhood? So how would you say, I mean, would you say, sounds like there's good partnerships with certain cities with the private sector and that it's a collaborative effort. I mean, would you say you'd like to see more of that? Um, it seems like that's the way things go with a lot of construction aspects. There's a lot of public private partnerships and building stuff, but what about community relations stuff? So most definitely, I think the current role that I have, we do a lot with community relationship as, you know, our first client is the city, uh, obviously, because they, they, they hire us and then we service the community. And mm-hmm. so we, we deal with the customers as well. And we listen to what, you know, their concerns are, their issues. And trust me, I'm getting a lot of phone calls because no company's <laughs> perfect and everyone, you know, has different issues and there's genuine uh, concerns that happen and we have to deal with that. Yeah. But when we partner up with the city and we put on these events and say, we get a booth there, we're able to connect and talk to, uh, you know, the community that helps us get a, an idea of what's going on within that city and how we're doing uh, on our part. And also building those relationships with, you know, uh, you know, city officials as, you know, the communities obviously, you know, addressing their concerns to them. And then we try to find solutions and ways that we can assist and develop programs and even services that would benefit them. And so it takes time, but it all begins building that partnership, getting to know one another and how can we help and what are the issues. And then as you start from there, then you can then take the next step and um, begin to cultivate that relationship to obviously find a way to improve that community. Like a golf event. Exactly. Exactly. Those are fun. No, I was gonna ask you because you, you were uh mentioning you know the going from public to private sectors. Out of curiosity, were you when you said you were uh work remotely, was that in effect before COVID or after COVID? I be, uh I believe this position was in an office originally, but when I got hired on, uh it was remote. The desire was from management was to put people back into offices. Um, and they asked me about that and I kind of just gave my opinion and, uh, I believe I, I told them I'm, I'm more effective to work from home where I don't have to get ready to go and to go into the office, deal with traffic. I can, you need an issue. All my tools are easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And as long as, um, you know, we're producing, I think, I believe there's a study too, where, uh, people are actually more effective by working at home, obviously depending on your, you know, occupation i can't be a police officer from home um <laughs> you know uh it's shown actually, that people I are actually more affected <laughs> yeah twitter police if you will yeah <laughs> but yeah and, and so that's what i kind of told the boss and i mean so far we do monthly meetings now and we'll meet in the office like today we had a monthly meeting and we all get together and it's nice to meet your you know your peers and see what's mm-hmm. going on yeah. rather than giving a phone call and just sending emails i'm, yeah. I'm the person i like to engage with individuals. I like to see you one-on-one. Like um, this next week, I set up in like a, like a, a lunch with the city because I'm 
transitioning into that city and I kind of want to get to know them rather than just an email and a name and a phone call and a voice, you know, match the face of the name, get to know me rather than just, you know, my title for this job, but as an individual. And I think that's crucial when you get to want to know people and develop those interpersonal relationships. I mean, that makes everything better. Well, and you're a good looking guy, which helps in a beautiful smile, by the way. Hey, that's what my my mom says. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look at Justin's smile. He's got one too. You cannot be, working with the community without a good smile. So, you know, you know, interesting point. Cause I, I think we kind of touched on this in the past, uh, Shane, but I know one of our previous guests, uh, uh, Jim talked about the, the great, um, the resignation mm-hmm. and something that I've been seeing just with our team, uh, and my, with hiring folks at our city, we're in this unique time where whatever the reasoning is, I feel like it, it is actually hard to find quality candidates Nope. Um, you don't even find as many candidates as I, I feel like you used to be able to find. Yeah. And people hearing, applying in general, it's like way yeah. down compared to how it used to be. I turnover is high. Yeah. I mean, I, when I got hired, I was picked one out of like 300 for a code spot, you know, let alone it used to be really crazy with like fire departments and police departments. Now they can't even get good people. And, and that's the interesting, interesting part of like, what's the background on that? That's why I asked you about, you know, in-person versus virtual, because it's kind of hard. Um, and you said police officer, but really any aspect of uh, local government really can't work from home. I mean, maybe the finance department, maybe, but most of the other departments, you can't be a public works person fixing potholes from home. You can't be a firefighter, a police officer, code yeah. enforcement. So it's hard for city government to work from home. Uh, and I had this talk with uh, my team this week, and I think everybody agreed that the solution is not really working from home, but if the government position uh, was capable of doing it, a lot of people actually like the flex where it's a couple of days in, a couple of days at home. Yes. And you had a balance. And I think that could be possible. Um, but I've also seen where people are just ditching job, government jobs right now and going towards Remote, remote jobs oh yeah and i i knew of a deputy director at a nearby city with the city for like 15 plus years got an offer private sector to work 100 percent from home and she gave up her 15 years with that city to take that job Man. and then uh, i have another colleague that was in the finance department for a couple of years they ended up i think going to the water district which is a government agency and they still keep their their purrs mm-hmm. but three out of four work days is from home. Um, so that's a perk to a lot of people is why they yeah. might be transitioning from job to job is they like that flexibility. They, they sometimes feel more productive uh, working from home. Like, you know, uh, James yeah. said was getting dressed up, going through the traffic, going through all those motions. Oh, God. I was going to say, I mean, lot. it is. And in my personal opinion, I could totally see, um, like a hybrid position like that, mm-hmm. you know, you do all your scheduling, you do your phone calls, you can do emails, you can still do a lot of your administrative work and kind of the background work for, we'll just call it code enforcement, you know, and then you have your days where you're out there doing your inspections, you're making your appointments, you're meeting your people, you're doing all your stuff. But, um, you know, J- James alluded to, you know, I don't have to drive into work. We've talked about this before. You, not sitting in the car for an hour and a half to get to your job, to sit at your job, just so you can decompress and start your day all over again. You know, it that's like, that's a big thing when you're able to like wake up and just go as opposed to wake up, go 
Now I have to cuss at this guy that just cut me off for the 15th time. Now I'm all worked up before I even had third cup of coffee to get in the office. And now your boss is cut. You know what I mean? You have to like redo your whole thing before you can even get started. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, the I mean, quality it, of service. Oh yeah. my gosh. You know, but I don't I mean, know. We, I mean, I don't. So like in, in my current role, like it's, it's very similar to code enforcement without the enforcement side, I would say, where I have to meet with clients or I have to meet with customers. I have to go on site. I have to, you know, do an audit at, at this location and right. see how things are going. And so as a code officer, honestly, um, if you got rid of, maybe you had an office where everyone sat at, you know, but if you're at home, you know, obviously location is key, depending on far where you, you know, where you live or whatever. Yeah. The closer you live. Um, but I have to travel all over the place, you know, whether it's going to Beaumont, Banning, uh, down to Eastville, down to Chino, um, you know, and going back and forth, you know, hey, I got to be in Beaumont at 8 a.m. I got to drive all the way down to, you know, Chino after that. Then I got to hit up Corona and then I got to go to Temecula. And so you're traveling all over the place. And even if I had a central location, I still would have to move around. And so as an officer, you know, unless like you're saying like that flex schedule, do I really have to be at an inspection every day? Is there really an inspection for me every day? Is there things that hot? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Do I need to be there? Yeah. I mean, I mean you, and, you, and, you, and you've done it. That's what I'm saying. Like you could have, yeah. I think a flex hybrid position where maybe that's something to attack, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, that those are your inspection days you know, on Tuesdays and Fridays or something, you know what I mean? Or if you had a city vehicle that you could take home, you know, would that improve things where you can park it at home? And then when you have to go do inspection, I yes. put my city suit on, I go drive down to the city, I go do my inspections and I go back home. Yeah. If need and, be. And do you your know, thing. But, and, but, but I know it's going to be very, uh, that is so that is so controversial right now people are going to be like oh my god can you believe what these guys just said or suggested there's no way employee have a vehicle and and he you know abused his you know obviously Justin, you you might have a different take on that what i mean what do you think about that you i mean i'm watching you on video and you just did your mind blown type of thing he's like no it's not it's but you you say you say you say nay or that it will just never happen or what's your take? No, I well, I agree. Give me the smoke. I'm just saying it's not going to happen because the cities I've worked at, even at manager and director levels, where in the past no they were way, given huh? a take home card to respond to things, and they I, didn't I, do it. Well, they didn't do it, but you're seeing now that cities see that as such such an expense for oh, mileage, man. gas, and all that stuff that they're now just giving a, a stipend. Yeah. Uh, to the directors and the managers. So if they're taking that away from the executives, um, you know, as we know, executives always get all the, the fancy stuff. They're not going to be dishing it out to the, the worker bees. And so I, I agree with him completely, but I just, I know with city government, uh, there's no way that they would do something like that unless it's like a bougie city. I love um, it. Yeah. I love we just brought this up talking about it. People are going to lose their blow their minds oh my god they're gonna be like who are these but, freaking hey, yahoos what if they started you know investing to like you know technology and now you have a drone at a central location yeah the location check it out oh yeah. okay. whoa mm. is this the year 2100 hello <laughs> justin you've talked about the drones before your trash cans are outside <laughs> yeah ex- exactly i mean I, there's definitely i don't know if that would work everywhere you know the uh 
you know, take home ride and all that type of stuff. And I remember oh, James, you and I, we, yeah. yeah, we used to joke about that. And how many times did I joke about like, Hey, I mean, I, you know, we got union negotiations coming up. Why don't you don't give me that raise and you just give me the take home ride. I'll take that instead. You know what I mean? So, Oh yeah, that's, I that'd just, be a big I, point for me. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know if something like that would ever happen, but this is what we're talking yeah. about. Like thinking outside the box, being like up to date with the times, you know, Justin brings up hey, a big part of what people are looking for these days when they get new jobs is remote working or some sort of alternative schedule or the flexibility. I think you just said you knew someone worked at a city for 15 years and they're like, forget it. Yep. You know, to go work at like that's you're losing huge key people in your organizations because but that people makes are me, recognizing not, yeah. you know, with the times or the organization just didn't, you know care about that individual enough i have no idea but that's another thing i was going to allude to is what if that culture there you know makes that individual very unhappy and that's why they yeah. want to work from home because it's like i can't stand being here yeah <laughs> it just gave them the green light to do it it's you know what i yeah, mean you you motivated me to leave right man. and that that's possible too yeah we know those people and have seen them and maybe have been those people at one time or another who knows but i'll tell you is that when since covid started and this whole work from home concept kicked off two years ago i will tell you from the beginning like I, the the cities i've worked for throughout covid i've worked 100 in the office i never worked a flex schedule um just okay. because that's for me that was gonna be my question yeah yeah managers and directors at the two cities i've worked for during covid were the same okay. and so but my team had always had a flex schedule and at in the beginning i was like oh i can't wait to get everybody back in person so we're all here we're all being effective but as time went on, before we really truly reopened to the public last year, mm -hmm. I, I really looking back, I, I saw some success in that flex schedule where uh, we set it up where it was two days uh, in the office, two days at home, and everybody had their set days. Okay. And so the two days in, they did their inspections, like you said, Shane, and then the other two days are doing their emails or phone calls at home. Yeah. And yes, they're most definitely doing things not work related and going out to eat and dropping their kids off but they were effective in the time that they did spend at home catching up on stuff so we didn't really see an efficiency issue um and so yeah. i could actually see that coming back uh i'm no longer opposed to that idea but it's beyond my pay grade but yeah. I, I actually think for city government a lot of positions we could probably look at a flex schedule yeah i know uh james and i where we worked uh it was one week in one week this is what yep. we did because we had a uh a 980 schedule so your friday week that's you know monday through you know friday in the office your four-day work week it was monday through thursday uh working remotely and um i mean we seemed to it seemed to make sense especially when we're in the midst of like you know covid and it's like our agency was large and everybody's like i don't want to come in Mm -hmm. I don't want to excuse, you know, we had no idea what the hell was going on. Nobody did. So um, I, I I felt like it was pr pretty productive. It was interesting. Um, you know, like you said, I'm sure people took advantage of it, um, you know, good or bad, or they had the flexibility, drop their kids off at school or pick them up or whatever. You know, I think that's just kind of, you know, if, if we're real for a second, everybody knows <laughs> yeah, but, those things happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's not be like dumb to the fact or not even the fact that that's like people do that you know what i mean well, like it just is what it is yeah 
what so, happens I mean, in what do you like think, James what happens in uh, um I guess with the mic with my colleagues is yeah but everyone knows though I mean it's not like we're trying to hide it but you know like after our meeting we had two people hey I gotta go pick up my kids now they're available to do that or now they don't have to pay for daycare so yeah. you know that financial strain and that burden where we're like oh my god I gotta pay for this daycare yeah. or whatever and there's no stress like management everybody's like yeah cool do like go take care like do what you gotta do like you oh, work yeah. you get your job care. done you do it you need to be there when you need to be there then Hey. Or if I have, to have a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a lot easier. But the, but the goal, uh, or the thing, the, the the reason it's successful is there's an expectation, there's a goal set. You know, yep. what do I need to get done? Yeah. And as long as I'm hitting my quota for the day or what you need of me, then it's all good. And that's pretty much what's brought down. Yep. And people love um, working from home. And so, you know, as we discuss yeah. among ourselves, as long as we keep performing and doing what's necessary, then we're going to keep this benefit. And, but again, some of yeah. us are working from it's not for every moment. Yahoo. Yeah. But there's times we're working from the moment we get up until like nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. It's like a 16 hour day. And then you're working weekends and you're doing, you know, but then there's days where nothing's going on. Yeah. You know, it, it, I believe it balances itself out, um, but especially hiring the right people. You, you know, know that's figuring yeah, out yeah you know can i trust this individual <laughs> is this person responsible <laughs> you know no knuckleheads uh, no no knuckle. well there's always knuckleheads. But, but those people are discovered very quickly because it, it, yeah, i'm sure it doesn't take long yeah you put them in a team project and you see who's pulling their weight it's very mm -hmm. easy you could tell well this person is doing a b and c this person is doing the rest what are you doing well, I'm like a sponge. I'm filled up. I can't really take it no more. Uh, oh, this is too much. No, this is stuff we hear. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you like know, an it's interview just, question we talk about. Oh, I'm just, you know, my mind is. I'm like, yeah. And how, and Howard, how'd you get your position? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how are you above me? <laughs> well, and oh, I mean, we, I had this conversation this week about that too, is talk about promotion is I was talking to a, a coworker that had been with the city for 25 years, worked up to management and she was saying how she works had over the 25 years easily worked 50 60 hours a week would stay for council meetings which it wasn't required but she just wanted to know what's going on yep. and and i stay late i you know i come in on my days off but we don't get overtime um i mean we get a higher salary yes but that's just that understanding whereas yep. there's workers that come in right at you know say start time seven and end is 6 p.m they're out the door at 5 59 mm -hmm. and but yet sometimes those folks they're like well i want to i want to promote i want a, i want a, a new title i want the higher pay it's like well you got to understand that the type of people that promote and take on these these roles like you mentioned james they're go-getters they have that that motivation and they realize yeah i'm gonna have to stay late i'm gonna have to do this and i'm not gonna have and i'm not gonna get overtime mm -hmm. i'm not gonna get some fancy stuff for it but it's part of the job and if you're yep. the person that clocks in clocks out does the bare minimum then you're not going to be successful promoting up um and that's that's the way it is and like you said in a work environment with a team those types of people tend to fall by the wayside when the people yep. that have ideas and they're and the progressive thinking hey can we do this better? Those are the ones that are going to succeed in the project and in promotions. Yeah. You're like, you're starting projects, looking to contribute with projects. You're, you're trying to get things moving forward from a department standpoint. Like, Hey, this is a problem we're having. You take it amongst yourself to figure it out and try to get other people involved. Like those are the people, 
you know, that you, you want, like you said, showing up right at seven or in the clocking out at five 30 and really mm-hmm. contributing nothing during the day. Um, you know, you're pr- nothing against anybody like that to each their own, but you're probably not that individual that's going to get promoted or, um, get tapped on the shoulder to like lead some sort of project down the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, just plain totally simple, agree. is what it is. Totally agree. So James, do you, um, now that you've seen both sides of it, um, are you, are you, do you see on your horizon that uh, you're, you're sold on the private sector and the, the, the perks and the benefits of that? Or do you see uh, wiggle room to come back? He always wanted to be a dancer. A dancer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he can't play basketball, though. My nickname was going to be Speeding Gonzalez. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Yeah. Stage name. <laughs> um, so... I've always had, you know, this passion to help people, to help the community. One thing in the private sector, it's all about the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's the monetary value. Obviously, it's prioritized. Getting these contracts, and that's a lot of what we do, negotiating contracts, uh, and signing these uh, cities on. Uh, but my goal is definitely to get back into the public sector because as a pu- I want to be a public servant. I want to help the community. And within government, you have the authority the resources and the power to make that happen. And so, but it, again, and the one reason that I left my previous or formal uh, employee or employer was I was looking for a position where I can make a bigger impact. And I couldn't do that because it was above my pay grade. Yep. So, and the funny thing is before I kind of even exist. left. Yeah. And, and before I even left to, um, and, and trust me, they gave me opportunity and that's the thing I can't take away. They gave me the opportunity to develop nope. and grow. Um, and, um, they even tried to, uh, a few individuals try to keep me, Hey, but we got this position. You want to take this, you want to go here. Um, are you sure if you want to do this? And, um, within myself, I was came to the point where I want to be able to not only obviously explore opportunities and have that exposure, but be in a position where I can impact individuals and I can have a say-so in those decisions and be a decision maker. And so I had to, with this new role, puts me in that room to be around major decision makers and allows me to kind of do this vicarious learning where I sit back, I watch what other um, executives are doing and the decisions they're making, how that's impacting their organization, their community. And I'm kind of learning from that and gleaning from that information. And as I'm learning that and I'm building those relationships, my goal is to definitely get back into government, but it has to be as a decision maker uh, position where I'm going to have almost a direct impact to the community where I'm not waiting so much on, you know, can we do this and hoping that they say yes, <laughs> yeah. you know? Man, you, know you hit it right on the head. I, yeah. I, I feel like right now I'm picturing the scene of stepbrothers where it's like they look at each other. Do we just become best friends? Yep. And, and <laughs> you're saying things that ex- that it was the fire behind every job that I've taken. Um, why I pushed myself to apply for different roles mm-hmm. is because I, I was the same way. I wanted to be in that room. Uh not for my first goal was just to be in the room to hear what's going on, but then to be in the room to actually say something. And yep. that's, what's pushed me to get to where I'm at now. And still motivating me to move forward is uh, you want to have that voice. And it's not meant for everybody, but 
uh, to have that fire to say, hey, I want to help people. I want to help make good decisions. I need to get into that room. And that's that's very noble. Yeah, he, he, he brought up the point where, you know, maybe see some people were like, hey, well, you know, we had this position, you know, coming up or open to you or whatever. That could just be a title change. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have any more impact right in that agency by just getting a step up promotion within whatever department he's in you know what i mean that that just that may not even get him any more to the table than he already was depending on how your organization is so i I like that he brought you know james you brought up that point because it's you you knew amongst yourself that you know you were like hey even though i could have got maybe the step up promotion within what i was doing it still may not have met my goals or what I wanted or my vision or bring me to the table, like Justin says, or even let alone give you the opportunity to speak at it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, so, I mean, kudos I for you because some be, people would have just yeah. probably jumped on it just to jump on it. Maybe. Right. You know, and as, and as we're talking about this, it just made me reflect back, you know, during that time, there was some promotions that took place and, you know, it didn't work out. And then, you know, next round came around and there were some opportunities not even go for it. And then I was questioning, why do you even go for it? And I think what happens <laughs> is that introspection where you sit down and you, and you start wondering, you know, because I looked at my wife really inspired me because my wife has a passion for animals, for kittens. I mean, she does so much for these kittens. She brings them home. She fosters them. She brings all the sick ones, but, and she spends all this money to try to help them and improve them. And it's not part of her job. I mean, she works within the, the animal services, but what she does is foster them and try to rehabilitate them and make them better. She goes over and beyond. and. You know, I asked her, why do you do what you do? She's like, I love what I do. You don't have to pay me. I don't do it for money. And I began to, you know, wonder what would I do for free, but I love to do, you know, Mm -hmm. that I love to keep doing. And that's for sure helping people. I've always had a heart to help people. And I think as I sat back and I started wondering, okay, I like doing that. But what else am I good at? I love project management. I love getting a project. I like, you know, those challenges. I like things changing. You can't give me one job and continue the same job. It needs to transition to something else. I need, that's how I work. I, I need another challenge. Keep me busy. Keep my mind busy. Like 80 to the max. When, yeah. So when I sat back and I reflected, I was like, no, I can't do this job anymore. No yeah. I'm, I'm done. Uh, I'm, it's time for me to leave. And I just kind of accepted that. And then a few months later, next day I know an opportunity and I'm saying bye. Yeah. And it was funny because I think maybe a couple months later, I'm back in the city of Ontario, but I'm in an executive, um, what do they call it like executive meeting for the state of the city that I didn't even know existed by me being with the city for, you know, I think it was like six years that there's this upper room. And here I am among these individuals, these developers, these, these city officials. And I was like, I didn't even know this was going on as I was downstairs the last time. And then I come downstairs and I'm like, you know, seeing people I was like, did you know they have this going on? <laughs> yeah, And I was like, that exposure, I was like, okay, I know where I, where I need to be. I'm yeah. getting the exposure. I'm being put in the room, and I'm seeing things from a whole different perspective. So, as I began to figure out what I wanted, it was easier to pursue it. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. And that's what I agree. I see that with my my role in code is you know when I was a uh, entry level, even when I was back with the PD as a cadet, and I was kind of working my way up. You're just kind of like this peon, just. Uh, a, a worker bee that sometimes you know they just threw tasks at but as i i climbed up to the role i'm at now um there's times where i'm in 
meetings with the the chiefs of police, the fire chief, uh, the city manager and city council members. I mean, I went to, as Shane knows, I went to a conference two weeks ago uh, Mm -hmm. with a council member for a week and I was, I'm, you know, the, the manager. So I'm, I'm kind of guiding the city council member during this whole conference. And so to be at that level and looking back in retrospect, a couple of years, like, you know, I was, I felt stunted uh, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And now that I've kind of broken my wings free, uh, I'm at a position where I could, you know, have a voice for my team voice for what I'm passionate about. And I think, you know, it's not meant for everybody. And I, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, that's what they say. You you can't have a tribe full of chiefs. You know, it's every you have <laughs> everybody plays an important role. But that's something that I I valued very much is to be in a position now that I can have a voice for people um, because I know what it was like. Yeah, you gotta have the right chief though. You, you know? do. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. you know, that's I mean, you, you know, you, yeah. the person that's the chief quote unquote you know may not be the right chief you know amongst the uh amongst the tribe so it, it i don't know i mean what's mark Wahlberg saying in that movie i'm a peacock you gotta let me fly yeah, right. like, let me spread my wings right <laughs> like let me, gotta, let me fly gotta, captain gotta let me gotta let me go man sometimes you just exactly. gotta do it so whether it's exactly. you know at the agency or department you're at or whatever or, or find somewhere else you just gotta find what you love like james said regardless if it's money or you know put that aside like what do you want to do so mm-hmm. it's awesome that at your age, James, once again, we're all the same age that you're able to like understand that and see that and have enough, like, you know, know enough about yourself and what you want and have the, you know, forward thinking ability to be like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. So, and there's no doubt in my sure. mind that you're going to get there. Yeah. Oh get yeah. The fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think when you, when you unlock that of who you are and you're comfortable in your own skin and where you want to go, you can just see the kind of stars line up. I know, it's You're crazy. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny because that leads me to one last thing, a quote um, by Les Brown. It was, and it inspired me when I was an undergraduate. Undergraduate, And he, what he said was, shoot for the moon, because even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Yep. And so I kind so of kept true. that with me it along this journey. Yeah, that's That's awesome. really good. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good way to to end the segment. Yeah. And uh, I think this has been a very, very fruitful conversation. It's been awesome. Yeah, this has been great. James, well, thank, thank you, you again, sir. Bravo. Oh my God, <laughs> so good to see you, man, and hear your yeah. voice. It's been Had too a great long. time here. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. So maybe we'll see you, uh, you know, doing some product project management at some agency. Who knows? Yeah. We'll you see. Know, I have my eye on the city already. I'm and, cultivating it. All right. <laughs> oh, don't forget us, little guys. Okay? Yeah, no. Oh, go. never. Never. The peasants. Never. Can I have some man. bread? Yeah, can I have some bread, please? <laughs> Mr. Project Manager James. Please, Dr. Sir. James. Dr. James, that's right. No, yeah, I'm not going back to school. No, it's not happening. Yeah, no, I'll buy tough. a degree. I'll buy a degree. It's going to be hard for me, too. <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been great. Huh. Great meeting you. And uh, we'll definitely, I, I think, uh, always keep this on the horizon. Is might have a, a round two with uh, with James on here. Absolutely. So be sure. fun. Excellent job, sir. <laughs> thank you so much you guys are great thank oh, you why thank you scholar you and ready? gentleman he is it's a fact <laughs> for to both those all right raise your glasses look at that little sponsorship maybe i don't know i can't see this <laughs> yeti. Is that a Coca-Cola? yeah yeti oh what, <laughs> what is that Ooh, is this our first uh, drink on the show
Oh, it's oh. empty. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm like, it's like what is going on moving here? I'm but like, it's a smoked glass. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Andy's a magician. Look at this. Till next time. Till next time, <laughs> Til guys. Next time. Thanks for joining us on The Code Locker. Be sure to message us for questions or topics you'd like to hear. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, friend, stay safe out there.